The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Yes, hello, it is me. I am back, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Back for another fun week here in the Neverland Fandom Nexus. Although it's just, yeah, I know, it's just the Fandom Nexus. I... Out of instinct, I still call it Neverland. How'd that happen? I don't know. <laughs> We're still kind of that way. I've got a lot of fun for you on this episode and a lot of fun coming up in the next couple of weeks. Those of you within near the Kansas City area, well, you know, Kansas or Missouri, whichever, but you know, if you're somewhere in the range or you're planning to come to Planet Comic Con, I finally got my approval for one of my panels. I didn't think I was getting approved for any of the panel ideas I had. Uh, but I, I'm going to be on Sunday, March 10th. We'll, I'll have Dan Vitt, Dan Vitz, I think. Yeah, Dan Vitz, I pronounce it. We'll, he was actually was a guest on the, the podcast a long time ago, but he'll be coming in for a panel with me. We're going to talk about the Laughogram Studio and all the restoration of it and all of Walt Disney's history here in Kansas City and even Missouri. He's part of a book even that I have. Maybe I'll bring it along and have him sign it. Uh, we're working on maybe being able to show a short documentary that they've made about the Laughogram Studio. Uh, I was just talking to them on the phone. We have lots of fun plans. It's going to be great. So if you're coming to Planet Comic Con, make sure on Sunday, 1 p.m. is when the panel will take place. Also, Planet Comic Con, I will be there. It turns out the rest of the weekend, I'll be there representing Diz Radio, which if you haven't been listening to Diz Radio, I do a segment on that pro, that podcast every week there with Jonathan Johnson. It's, he does a lot of celebrity interviews. Uh, I think we're going to try to have me be able to sit down and get a few celebrity interviews that we'll be able to use on Diz Radio. I uh, might be able to share some of it here. Most of it, though, I'm going to be there uh, with a press pass for Diz Radio, so I'm going to be trying to get what I can over there. We're, we'll make, we're making plans on that. But other than that, I've also got a special guest here on the show today. Uh, Mixtape Theology is a book. It is a, a Facebook group. Uh, we're going to talk about that, plus the, uh, one of the authors of Mixtape Theology on the show here. If you would like to see video of that conversation, and it'll be completely unedited, because I'll probably have to edit it down a little bit uh, as I put it onto the podcast. Uh, but if you'd like to see video of the whole conversation with him, that will be an exclusive for Patreon subscribers. So, yeah, if you're not part of the Patreon, go jump on there, because Patreon people do help out the show and help pay for the, the cost that I uh, incur trying to make this show and bring it to you every week because it does cost some money. So I appreciate everybody who helps out. And of course, when you get on Patreon or becoming a, a Red Circle exclusive member, 
you don't have to hear the ads that you hear in the middle of the show or beginning of the show, end of the show. You're still going to hear me, though, do the plugs for certain things. Uh, so it, it will still be in there. But, you know, you won't have to deal with the other stuff. But let's just get this show rolling here. I'll tell you about what I've been watching here later because I'm going to have a review for you for the Avatar The Last Airbender because uh, I did sit and watch that because I figured you would all be interested. And what have I been playing? I'm just kind of biding my time for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth to come out here this week. Uh, so let's just jump into some regular old news. How about that? Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. A long time ago, on a very peculiar day, my midder lured someone out of his bed. and opened a doorway huh? to my workshop. <laughs> I do not know if the mirror was being mischievous <laughs> or malicious. Okay, so I'm going to pause that right there. Uh, it's a whole four-minute thing. Uh, there, I, I have not found the original announcement for this. Nintendo had a uh, state of play type of thing. Well, I guess they didn't call it state of play. PlayStation calls their state of play, but Nintendo had a, I think Nintendo Direct, where that's where I first heard about this announcement and then found it as coming on to a lot of other platforms as well, including PlayStation 4 and 5, which I, I have both of one of those. Epic Mickey rebrushed. They've taken the old Disney uh, Epic Mickey game that was on the Wii and they've fixed it up and it looks amazing. And uh, you can see the uh, remake of the the opening, which is what that audio you were just hearing was part of. And it's, it's four minutes long. It looks fantastic what they've done. They've tried, they've tried to tweak the gameplay. And one of the problems I had is on the Wii using the Wiimote and, and trying to use that, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It just didn't work for me very well. I'm not very good at that. So getting another opportunity to play the game, because I no longer have my Wii, but I do have my PlayStation and, you know, trying to do it on sticks. You know, I think I might be able to manage my uh, my my brush a little better and my my thinner and my paint. So pretty excited for that. It's, it says it's coming out here in 2024, but they have not said a specific date of when in 2024 this is coming. We just know it is coming. And uh, the intro looks amazing. The, the little bits of gameplay that uh, I saw looked really good. Looks like they fixed it up nicely. Of course, it was a nice-looking game before and a, a very, very stylistic. Uh, so I'm pretty excited for that. Something else to be excited about. And I don't. Your I simulation days are over, Trooper. This is a real battle. Droid, move out. No retreats. Warm up. No excuses. Now get out there. Fight your way across the Star Wars galaxy in the classic Battlefront games with massive 64-player online battles and split-screen local gameplay. 
fight with heroes. Never tell me the odds. And battle with villains. Bring me more Jedi! Get ready for the Star Wars Battlefront Classic Collection. Launching March 14th. Pre-order now. Well, there you go. There's the news as you needed it for PlayStation, Xbox. I mean, every system, even PC. Star Wars Battlefront Classic Collection, the first two Battlefront games. Aspire Media, uh, they've brought back a lot of classic games. Uh, they're even responsible for a Tomb Raider remastered of 1, 2, and 3 of the original Tomb Raider games. Uh, they've also got a Star Wars Heritage Pack where they've kind of redone the Knights of the Old Republic games, Republic Commando. Uh, they've gotten the license to kind of bring back some of these old games and you know, repackage them. Sometimes they fix them up, kind of clean them up a little bit. Sometimes they just present it as it was. Uh, and I, I, I'm down with it. <laughs> I'm all for it. Uh, I'm very excited to be able to play the classic Battlefront again. Granted, uh, I do have, I think on Steam, I have, I think Battlefront 2. Well, it's not through Steam, but I, I have my, my discs still for Battlefront and Battlefront 2. And I think Battlefront 2, I was able to, to run on the computer still. But it'd be nice to be able to play it on console. Although, I mean, it is nice with the mouse to be able to go and, and aim. You can aim sometimes a little easier. But if there's a little bit of aim assist on the console, that'll be nice. We'll see. Uh, and I, maybe you'll see me on an online battle. Maybe I, I used to just play a lot on my own. Uh, I, I think I did a few online battle and, as well. But I like playing on my own a lot. I don't do a lot of online gaming. so. But I might play that online. I know Philip is excited. And he was talking about his one of his nephews is super excited because... They used to play that when he was a little boy, little tiny boy. Now he's grown up and he's excited to be able to play it again. So this will be great. And it'll probably be because when I play online, I like to play with with people I know. Mainly, I like to play with friends as best I can. Something else coming over the PS4 and PS5. Uh, and this is uh, the description I grabbed right off of a, a YouTube video. But there's really not much to hear in the YouTube video other than some music. Uh, but it says it's time to get grounded. Now, if you're not familiar with grounded, that is like. Imagine, honey, I shrunk the kids. You've been shrunk down to that level, and now you're going to go have adventures. And it says, a sprawling universe is yours to discover, filled with opportunities to explore, build, and survive in the backyard in this immersive cooperative survival adventure game. Choose to venture alone or join forces with up to three friends online with cross-platform play connecting players globally. Brace yourself for epic battles against hordes of giant insects and navigate the backyard's dangerous marvels. Discover how discover how you were shrunken down to the size of an ant. Who did this to you? And uncover the tools you'll need if you ever want to return home. Get ready to be grounded like never before when it arrives on PlayStation April 16th, 2024. I believe Grounded is already available on Xbox and probably on Steam as well. Uh, so now it's nice that us PlayStation gamers, we get a chance to try it out. But I'm going to be too busy. Uh, right now, I think probably playing with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, I'm going to you know, play it on easy, then on normal, and then on hard because I'll probably have leveled and maxed out my levels by the time I go and try to do it on hard because I'm sure there'll be some achievements for it. So I'll be playing with that for the next couple months, and it might even... I have to make sure I take time out to do the podcast and, of course, go to Planet Comic Con and stuff and, and live my life outside of playing that game. I do intend to share some videos on the Neverland official gaming channel, which, hey, I've been sharing some some videos. I've been kind of behind for years. All this collected video I've got some of, of gaming, and I just like to share playthroughs, although I have some incomplete playthroughs, and I've got a playlist of those, and those I think are just good. I just collect them into multiple hours, so you could just kind of play that in the middle of the night just to kind of relax and chill out and fall asleep, you know, having an incomplete game. Or you can have it usually in parts where I have completed a game, uh, like I've recently added the Detroit Become Human game in completion. My my only time I've ever played through that game, and I was I was satisfied with the ending, so I haven't really played it again because I'm like, well, if I do it again, I might get a bad ending, you know. 
I only had one of my characters that uh, was killed, and it wasn't a character I was playing with, but it was a character that interacted that was important to one of the characters you play as uh, that get, got killed. So I, I made a mistake. I, I think I missed a quick time event or something. Uh, so, yeah, I had a good time playing that. But one of these days, I might play that again. Uh, it's It was a pretty good game. But, yeah, so I'm putting a lot of game videos up on there here lately, and there hopefully will be some stuff for Rebirth up there as I try to collect some video as I get a chance to play that, which... I have to squeeze the time in between, you know, a work schedule and taking care of things here at home. So probably be on Saturdays, uh, although I do have, uh, you know, some time on Saturdays. I will be recording some special podcast episodes in the future. So keep listening for that. Okay, so uh, this is the time where I uh, talk about Dubby. And if you go to NeverlandPodcast.com, I've got a, you know, the easiest way. It's just a really big logo for W. You click on that, and you'll already be in the discount code. Otherwise, the discount code is Neverland. You get a nice, like, 10% off, I believe, still, is what the idea of your order. when uh, you If you need some energy when you're gaming and stuff like that, you don't want to get the jitters. This is a drink mix. You can even order yourself a nice bottle, and you won't pay as much as you would as for, like, a Stanley Cup. Uh, you, you'll just get a nice you know, bottle to put your water and your mixes in and lots of different flavors. Try it out, Dubby. And when you go in there, of course, I get a little bit of that for you, you going through my link. Uh, and that does help out the show. So you get so you get a great product. I get a little bit of stuff to help me pay for this show to keep it going on the air so everybody wins. Okay, I do have at least one thing to talk about in the trailer park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that show. Come here. The Neverland Trailer Park. Okay, so the only trailer I really want to be able to talk about, or that I found over the last week, other than a lot of game trailer stuff, which I've already played for you, is uh, there was a trailer for Borderlands. Now, I have played the first Borderlands game. I've played a little bit of the second one. I need to get back on those, because those are a lot of fun, and they're goofy and funny. Um I'm I'm imagining this is going to be an R-rated film, so you're not going to have a lot of coverage here on this podcast, and this may be near the last you hear about this movie, especially since I don't think I'm going to see it because the casting on this thing, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, everything the the look of everything is good, the style of everything seems like you know they've they've mirrored the game, and the, you know, but the trailer has some copyrighted music, uh, lots of it mainly, and then a bit of language, and so I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to skip that. But the casting on this, I mean, half the cast is over 50. And if you play the game, your characters you're playing at, they don't look like they're that old. So some of the casting seems very strange. I mean, not that, not, nothing against the actors and actresses that they have in there. They're, they're, they got their talent. Although I'm not a fan of Kevin Hart, I must say. Uh, Kevin Hart in there, I don't know. I've never found Kevin Hart to be funny in anything I've seen him in. Uh, so I'm not, you know, the only, the only good casting is, you know, Jan, Jack Black in there as, uh, oh wow. And I forgot the name of the little robot. Although I, you know, some people have been commenting that they'd rather have the original voice from the game for the robot. Um, and man, I cannot think of his name and I kind of can go with that. I, you know, the original voice is fun, but I think Jack Black could do a good job as that character. So that's the only casting is Jack Black that I think was well cast into this film, but the rest of it, I'm just, I was scratching my head like, you know, Kate Blanchett. I mean, I like Kate Blanchett, but her, uh, uh, she's playing as even, uh, I can't even think of the female character, uh, that I, I actually did use cause I liked her, uh, her abilities. I played her in the first borderlands, but she seems a younger woman and Kate Blanchett is not a younger woman. And it seems just weird to me that they, they, how the way they cast a film. And I'm, I'm not so sure that I'm going to see this movie, 
uh, I think they, they, they miscast a lot. And I'm not the only person saying so. So you've probably, if you've seen this trailer, uh, I'm sure you might be thinking the same thing. Oh, Want to see a movie? Yeah. Any good? It was bad. I'm fuzzy on the whole good bad thing. My eyeballs could have been sucked from their sockets. I like it a lot. The best movie ever made. A, a fandom, fandom nexus, nexus movie review. Okay. Now, admittedly, this isn't really a movie review. It's more of a review of a uh, short series that you can binge right now. Eight episodes on Netflix for Avatar: The Last Airbender. And I know many of you probably might be fans of the Nickelodeon animated series. I'm not. Uh, I tried to watch the Nickelodeon animated series. The animation I felt to be very choppy. I didn't really care for the frame rate. It just, the animation was just bad. It just was bad. Um, as far as the story, I, uh, I have a few questions. And these are questions I still have coming into the Netflix series. I mean, I found the animated, what, what little I watched of it, to be kind of childish. But I figured, well, it's aimed at kids. So, I mean, that's fine. The Netflix series seems to be aimed where adults could be able to watch. They thought they have a good enough story for adults. But I, I still have so many questions, so many unanswered questions. Because a lot of the premise of this does not make sense. How do you determine who can bend the element? Because you have a nation, and each nation is a particular element. And only that element? Why only that element? Because it seems like you can learn bending, but only certain people can learn to bend. Well, okay, so if you're living on the, the nation of water, but and you can't bend water for whatever reason, what if you tried to bend one of the other elements? Might it turn out that you could bend one of the other elements? And all these years of peace, no one ever crossed over countries where you didn't have some mix, mixing of the races? If, if it's a genetic thing that where we, we, we can bend water because of genetics, then, well, even at the genetic level, there's characters that are related to people who can bend who can't bend. And there's just so much stuff that does not make a lick bit of sense in the, uh, with the premise of this show. Now, that being said, when I started watching the show, I was enjoying it. I lost enjoyment as I got towards the end. What was more interesting for me was, you know, the characters, the, and the acting was superb. The effects were, were really good uh, trying to do their I'm, I'm sure it was expensive. So you didn't say a lot of this Appa character. And uh, I think Momo, uh, these little computer animated characters, uh, they. You, if you were to look at a still frame, I think they would look fairly realistic that they were real things. But when they move around, they, they seemed very animated. I mean, you, you'd look at it, you know, it's not real. But you, you, but it's enough believability that you could go with it, kind of like Gollum. I mean, Gollum, you know, his computer generated. Although Gollum, I mean, he just looks so real. They did a really good job at Lord of the Rings. That still holds up after all this time. Uh, but, you know, but these characters, they they looked pretty good. The animated characters, but you could tell definitely that they were animated. I mean, maybe I'm not. Maybe my brain was supposed to not go there. But I enjoyed a lot of more of the character stories and the character interactions. But some of it was lacking. Okay, so the best storyline going on was Prince Zuko, who actually showed a, a bit of character growth and having an actual story arc. His story was more interesting than Aang, who Aang, I thought, was supposed to be our main character. He felt a little pushed to the side, and he did not seem to grow or change. He had plenty of opportunity to learn earthbending and waterbending, which is supposed to be some of his goals, and he learned nothing. The only thing he might have picked up is by, you know, meeting the spirits of other avatars that he sometimes has to make a rough, a tough decision. 
But that, that really didn't seem much growth for our main character, who does suddenly get some mammoth jumps in, I don't know, a, a lack of logic. It, it, we lost logic by the time we got to the last episodes with Katara, the girl, who is going and she's learning wanderbending from this scroll. And part of the main goals they have is like, okay, well, we want to go to the Northern Water Kingdom. I don't. They would be nice to explain how the Northern and the Southern Water Kingdoms got separated. Would be nice to have that explanation, but maybe the cartoon explained it better. Uh, my wife kept saying, well, the cartoon had a lot more of it because this all feels very compressed. So uh, there's a lot of it that got left out. Maybe I should go ahead and watch the cartoon. I don't know. Uh, but that never was, was never explained why they were separated. Uh, but she's learning all the water bending, and but they're going to the Northern Kingdom so that Aang can learn water bending. And so and she says, well, there's so much that I've just attached the surface. I, I need to go to the Masters and learn from them. Well, she gets there, and uh, they apparently they've made some changes. In the animated series, from what wife told me, uh, they, they just don't want to teach women the combat style stuff. They prefer to teach them the healing stuff, which I don't understand how water is healing, but whatever. We're just supposed to go with it. Uh, they changed it to be more like, oh, the women aren't allowed to fight in battles. And I, I started noting, and I, I saw, I was, I was kind of, I was hoping they weren't going to do it, but Katara became kind of the modern girl boss, no flaws, Better than the old man, although she did she kind of lose the fight. Well, she kind of matched him, but she did kind of still lose the fight to a master. But then declared herself a master later on in that in the in the series, as Prince Zuko, who has you know spent years mastering his abilities with fire abilities. I would think you know when when she goes to fight him, I thought okay, well she might slow him down a little bit, but she shouldn't be able to beat him. She did though, but I. And she said, well, I am a master. And they even had a bit at the end. It's like, well, you know, Aang doesn't need to learn from us masters. He has you as his master. Now, apparently in the cartoon, she got to spend some time learning from the master. So she did learn some more stuff. Because at this point, Aang should have learned just as much as she had if Aang had been studying the scrolls. Because that's really about the most that she had was the scrolls. Another thing that really bothered me is they spent an entire episode where uh, Sokka or Sokka. Yeah, they build this real, and it was a cute story. Him in this relationship with this character, Suki. And, you know, they develop kind of this nice relationship. And then it's dropped immediately. And it's, he's instantly jumps over, you know, like to the, they, they say he flirted with some other girl that turned out to be a Fire Nation. And then later in the episode, he meets a, another girl. And they're just like, Disney is not even this bad at, at just first sight because she, just because she appeared to him in the spirit world and says, oh, well, that was because you were the man of my dream. Seriously, after we have this nice relationship that was built and developed, we watched watched through an episode and it was good storytelling. We're just dropped and we're just supposed to accept that this is. Oh, no, this is he's just all in love with this girl now. I I, I just couldn't. I mean, and I, and I was into the characters. I was enjoying some of the character stories. But by the time we got the end, the stupidity came out and I can't recommend this show. And I think even if you're a fan of the cartoon, you'd probably get bothered by some of the things that my wife was really bothered by the live action. And But we were both kind of liking it halfway through. But then as we got into those later, later four episodes, that's when it started falling apart. And all of the questions I had, it's like, I didn't, I didn't see these getting answered. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense of the premise. And then some of the character changes, like with Sokka and, and ditching the one girl for the, it, it, it just didn't make any sense. Character wise, the best character arc was Zuko. Aang should have had a good character arc, but I felt like he was a little bit sidelined for Katara to come up and, and be the hero. 
So, yeah, thumbs down from me for Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay, but now we're going to take the opportunity to welcome our guest. Uh, before we welcome our guest, though, I do have a couple of ads that need to play. So uh, you're going to hear those right quick right here. All right, Neverlanders. Yes, I still call you the Neverlanders, even though we're not the Neverland podcast no more. I have we haven't had a guest in a little while. I figured we were due for one. And so I have here actually, you know, I should have asked. Uh, is that Mofield? Mofield. Mofield. Hey, looky there. I can read. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, Mofield, uh, and you've got a book that uh, you've put out. And this is kind of a different topic and everything. I don't often get to talk music on this show. So this is a kind of exciting. I figured like, Hey, I can do something different. Cause to me, this is sort of a retro thing. So I figure it fits in uh, because I, boy, we can go and jump into a lot of our pastel music tastes, but uh, you've got a book. And of course we want to talk about the, the book. And then also we can talk about some of our music that we've grown up listening to. And uh, so what is the name of the book anyway? The book is Mixtape Theology. It is a devotional and retrospective inspired by 90s Christian music and culture. So um, Spider Pan, I think we're probably around the same age. So I bet we listen to a lot of the same music. And, um, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a, a pastor. But me and a, a girl at my church, a lady at my church, she approached me and we both grew up in, around the same time. I'm a little older than her, but the nineties was a key time in our faith, in our spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And it was the golden era of Christian music. I mean, there was good music before and there's still some good music now, but I really do think it was the golden era and just my college years and seminary years influential. And so, yeah. it, you know, we found out there's a lot of other people that kind of have the same, um, the, the same attachment to, to the music and we thought, let's write a devotional on some of our favorite songs and do some fun stuff and some nostalgia with it. And uh, so we did it. And now it's a real thing. And it's it's been a blast. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say the 90s were, were very much a formative thing for me with uh, with getting into Christian music. Because I grew up with a very, um, we'll say, Southern Baptist, independent Southern Baptist church. And, Wait, and I'm. Yeah, I'm, and I'm Southern Baptist, so I'm very familiar with what that means. Well, it means that basically everyone, even in your hymns, sound like country gospel, you know? Right. <laughs> we had a banjo right. for a while, <laughs> so that's what <laughs> I grew up in. And if any venture outside of that would freak people out, we really disturbed some people when me and uh, actually the guy who's now my pastor, who's my best friend, um, we brought in some Carmen tapes, and we would do like a children's church in the back, and we would watch Carmen videos, and there were some people like, Carmen? Who's Carmen? And like Carmen was the right. first, I think my first venture outside of everything sounded like country music that actually sounded a little closer to something I listened to. And I still love mm. Carmen to this day, <laughs> even though I'm, I'm a bit you different. Know, but. <laughs> and there's a lot of people, um, you know, we're on social media and I don't know how many people we talked to that actually grew up in youth groups to where they did like the skits based off of like Carmen's champion, like a full... <laughs> You know, it's like a boxing match and, yeah. the, you know, when Jesus is knocked out, but then he comes back and beats up the devil and everybody. Um, and it's like a, that is a common thing that people mm -hmm. look. Oh, yeah, we did the same skit. So. Oh, yeah. We actually 
at, at a vacation Bible school because we had to do a presentation, of course, by Friday. Uh, we worked up doing, uh, let's see, was it Satan Bite the Dust or was it the Western? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my brother was being the Carmen role. And at one point he was supposed to El Cabong with a guitar and he accidentally hit the uh, pastor's daughter square in the face <laughs> with a guitar. <laughs> That's amazing. You can see it on his face, just bong, and you can see his eyes go white because he realized he actually clubbed her. So he got a little too into it. So, yeah, we, we kind of did that, too, and my brother would occasionally try to sing a Carmen song or whatever for a special. And we finally got my grandmother, who was very much, it all had to be very, very much kind of either gospel sounding. Uh, so but we finally got to where she'll listen to a little bit of Carmen stuff at the time. But I mean, she's the one when I was really little, she kind of half raised me. And it was like Christmas to me. Christmas sounds like Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra and that kind of thing, because that's what she right. had all those records. And so I still love that to this day. So anything louder than that, you know. It's really, really <laughs> weird. And I knew like Striper existed in the 80s. We well, had like, gonna, one person. That was my next thing. It. If you would have pulled out like Striper, you would have freaked her out. Yeah. And that was coming <laughs> like them later 90s. That's what we're talking about. The the 90s, uh, I think that is what what blew my mind is, you know, because I was so used to this and I never found any Christian music really that I enjoyed. And I'm listening to stuff like Metallica, Nirvana and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, I, re I really wish I had something with a better message because I, I even had one time I was listening to Soundgarden for like throughout my junior year. And it kind of threw me into, into a depression listening to an album. The, uh, I think it was the Super Unknown with that album. That threw, that threw me into a depression. I was like, you know, I got to find something that's not doing this to me. And it was when mm. I started college, you know, after I graduated back in 95, a friend of mine played Jesus Freak by DZ Talk. And I was like, it's a game, it was a game changer. Oh, my goodness. That that song changed my life. I was like, this is actually good. But I was like, well, yeah. if my parents ever heard this, they'd probably be like, what in the world are you listening to? So, yeah, that was kind of the, the beginning for me. And after that, we found a, a coffee house here in Kansas City that we went to and saw uh, a couple of like more alternative bands coming and play. And, and like, oh, my goodness, it's like they're 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 singing about Jesus, but they're singing it loudly and with the guitars. And yes. Well, you know, in 95, when that Jesus Freak album came out, it was around the same time Jars of Clay's mm -hmm. first album came out, which, again, was not even not even that that was heavy or crazy alternative, but for 95 compared to um, even stuff I like, like for him and Michael W. Smith, it was different and a little more cutting edge. Yeah. And, and just everything started like, okay, this stuff is as good as what's on mainstream radio. And, yep. and like, like jars of clay's first album and uh, Jesus Freak, those albums would 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 still hold up today. Now, not every Christian album does, yeah, <laughs> but those two would for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think didn't Jarvis Clay just recently got some honors or something? I thought I saw something like, or maybe it was in in the, in your Facebook group or something. I saw that there was everybody was talking about Jarvis Clay's first album. I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, I remember having that yeah. one, and that was like the staple. Uh, at when I was going to a community college, uh, got involved with the Baptist Student Union. It, we were, we'd go where and we would listen to that first Jars of Clay album in the car. Uh, we do like homeless shelter walks and we'd be listening to that and audio adrenaline, which audio adrenaline, when I first heard bloom, I think was the first album of theirs that I got and it had like that classic rock style. Oh my goodness. I sure. really loved it. Yeah. And you can't, you know, and you hear that guitar riff to start off big house in it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. And then when you, when I started visiting some of my friends, other churches, because we didn't, we had a youth group, but it was, you know, you know, independent Southern Baptist, you have everything's a certain way. I go to some new college friends, you know, and their youth groups and they're all having a worship service. And, you know, I'm used to a small church and you get to a larger church and suddenly now they're singing songs that I had been hearing. Like we've seen songs by George of Clay. I remember one time uh, with Baptist Student Union, we went to a conference and we're actually singing. Um, wow. Now it just went on my head. And, you, know, uh, you are the devil and the devil is bad. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. We um, talk about we do a devotion that on that one yeah. in the book. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just like, oh, my goodness, we're singing songs that I actually know that we don't get to sing at my church. But that's also my hair start getting longer and stuff like that. And that's when everybody on my mom's side of the family thought I just went to the devil because I had long hair and I was listening to the louder music. And I said, yeah, but you're not listening to what my louder music is saying. It's like I'm stronger mm. now because the music was supporting my faith. And mm. I was growing a lot more then than I was at any point that they know me because I'm just kind of used to. You, you grow up in that status quo. And then, you know, when you when you start going to college, that's when your your faith is going to get challenged. And I had a couple of philosophy classes that I had a teacher that wanted to challenge me on everything. And I had to really look and make the faith. My, I mean, because I, I accepted Jesus when I was seven years old through Awana. So I love Awana because uh, that's where I, and, and my only basic understanding I had is like, I'm headed for hell. Jesus is the only way I'm not going. Jesus is going to save me from it. I just got to call out to him because otherwise I'm going to hell. And that was all I understood. And that's all it took, you know, but it's, it's that building relationship. I don't think I really got to until that college when I start getting around some other, you know, like-minded college people and start, you know, getting some music that I could listen to. It really helps you grow in your faith, you know, along with your Bible reading. But, you know, it's, it's that connectedness that you get between, you know, having people that you like the same music, y'all love the Lord. And right. It, it does well, you know, Jeremy, and, that, and that's a big reason why we, myself and my co-writer, Rachel Cash, wrote this book. Like she, she, she talks about growing up and like getting Stephen Curtis Chapman's CDs and like looking up the scripture for each song, like, like really digging into the Bible and, and all of us have memories like you do, whether it's with a BSU or another youth group or wherever, or a mission trip. And we, we think about these songs and we were really growing in our faith. And um, sometimes you're learning theology and you don't realize you're yeah. learning it. Um, and, and then sometimes, you know, and we do this kind of, this practice in the devotion, we, with every devotion, and there's 35 of them based on the best some of the best 90 songs. I mean, obviously we had to leave songs out, but we, we talk about like where we were then and kind of what we believed. And then have we grown or do we see it? Have we changed in our theology? Did we get it wrong? Did we, you know, maybe, maybe we've, I mean, heck I've been to seminary since I was in college and I've got a doctorate degree. So I definitely understand a lot more about theology than in 1993 when I was listening to Michael W. Smith. So, and he might've been intending some things that I just didn't see. So we talk about that kind of stuff too. Yeah. That's all the deeper things. Like even a, a group that I wish would have stuck around a lot longer. They only had like two major albums with grandma train. Uh, they, they oh were on yeah. Forefront. I remember that. Name. And they had on their yeah, first time had the song need. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That was, that song spoke to me so much. Or it just kind of simplified things where it takes your faith down to like, you know, as I'm a man who's found his way with not a lot to say, I only know that I need you. And that's the mm. thing is I, the only thing I could really under express to God uh, is I knew I needed him and more mm. needed more of him because, 
as you get older and you get that, you know, I guess coming of age of sorts when you're in 18, the world starts changing. You start seeing a lot more of the world and you, that's where you start to really need to learn, okay, am I clinging to God or am I going to get, let the rest of the world pull me off in this different direction? And that mm-hmm. song, I, I listened to that song on repeat, you know, uh, I was like, this this is exactly it. You know, I've, I spent a lot of time of not knowing what to say about stuff, but I know I can tell the Lord I need him every right. hour, every minute. I need him more and more. And uh, I mean, that that was oh, two fantastic albums. And unfortunately, Pete Stewart, you know, kind of went agnostic. I don't know where he's at now. Uh, he had a bad experience, I guess, at the Dove Awards at one point. Because I remember on his website, had this whole big thing. And then he'd walked away from the faith and. I hope he's come back, you know, because I there's another song, um, gonna Whiplash by uh, Beanbag that they don't exist anymore either. It came out of uh, I think Australia, uh, but they said Whiplash because that's what you're gonna get when you try to walk away and God will bring you back. It's like mm. it's gonna be that quick. And I said that's that's kind of true because and I, I've noticed anytime I've tried to be, a, a, you know, there heck there's part of our growing pains is you're gonna get in an argument with God because you think you know what you're doing and you think He's leading you, but you realize it was you all along. So God's usually right, but you get upset because you get this idea of like, well, this is where I'm supposed to be going. I'm supposed to be doing this. But then, you know, it was me following me and not following God. And so, I mean, you have those moments where you want to run away, but God will bring you back. And sometimes it just takes us longer than others for God to pull us right back because he doesn't let you go. Know, we we do a devotion in the book off Michael W. Smith. Um, leave it to me. I'll lead you home. And it's like a lot of times we don't, you know, we don't want to listen to his voice. We think we've got it figured out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, God knows what he's doing. And I can think of everything from my call to ministry to decisions we've made. And it, and it is amazing um, how how you can see his fingerprints along the way, even when you were off track, how he still even uses that stuff. Yeah for his, for his kingdom and for his glory or, you know, for ministry. And so, um, you know, God's not going to waste a bit of our suffering and he's not going to, uh, he's going to teach us along the way when we're stubborn. And then man, when we, we find that place when, yeah, all we need is him. Mm-hmm. That is, that's what, that's the message of the gospel, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, so Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's growth spurts and having having the right music there is is there every step of the way for growing uh, and for learning and stuff. And sometimes you just need to have certain songs that just to remind you of stuff. Uh, I frequently go back to a Supertone song, "The Wilderness," uh, and I was actually just a couple episodes ago talking about this because we had kind of a rough January. Uh, but you know, you have an entire section where they're singing about how can God really understand. You know, do you know, do you know what it's like to be a man and all this stuff and all these things where I, you know, have you ever had a doubt what this life is all about? And then if you get to the end, it's like, well, I've spoken much too soon. I'm actually following what after Jesus already went before me through the wilderness. And now mm. I'm just following his example. You know, it's like he's he has been through it. He does understand. And so that's there's a, it's an old song from the 90s, but it still speaks to me like even now. Uh, and so it's, it's great how all these songs can stick with you and you're in and help you. They're, they're you know, there for as, you, as you're sitting there talking, everything you're saying, and this is what happens to me. This is another reason why we wrote the book. So now I'm a pastor. And, and so I preach every Sunday and um, been at the same church for 23 years. And so it's like the lyrics of so many of these songs, sometimes it's intentional. Like I'll be writing a sermon and I'm like, Oh yeah, this reminds me of this Carmen song or this, and, you know, or sometimes it's on the spot while I'm preaching 
And, and so I'll just, sometimes I'll say it, I try not to annoy my congregation with, with too many lyrics from nineties Christian songs. And that's how Rachel, my co-writer discovered, I think one time I actually had a sermon entitled the great adventure, Stephen Curtis Chapman's famous song. And, um, and so, so this comes out all the time. So even while you're sitting there talking, I was thinking of Cayman's call. Um, I had to walk the rocks to see the mountain view. Like, I, um, and looking back, I see the lead of love. Like, you know, um, as you were talking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a song from 1998 that means a lot to me. So, uh, and isn't that cool how music, I mean, I know your podcast is a lot about nostalgia, mm-hmm. um, but like how music has the, it really is a gift from God, how you can remember lyrics from 25 years ago. and It takes you back to the way that you felt or what you, how you were growing or where you were. It's a, it's an amazing thing mm-hmm. for sure. And frequently lessons that you have to learn more than once. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's always a little, even, um, I'm listening to Daily Audio Bible, you know, every day and going through it. I'm even trying to go through and nitpick out. And I'll um, sometimes my wife and I, we carpool to go to work because she works up up, up in a, a school. Uh, she's a high school teacher and I, I work in a television station. I drive her somewhere over here and then I drive over there. Uh, but I'll I'll start finding weird little things and I'll get like weird. The weirdest questions will pop into my head after I'm listening. It's like even even though I've been through the Bible so many times, there's always something in there. That's just like in a little e- detail. And I'm like, I wonder if there's something I can learn from that. Because even going through, uh, you know, right now uh, with Daily Audio, we, we you do the whole Bible in a year. We've gone through Exodus and Leviticus. And I was noticing like some of the, the stuff with the uh, the altar and the tabernacle, some made of gold and some things were made of bronze. And I was kind of wondering, hmm. well, why is that? And my wife actually started looking up stuff and it's like, OK, it's like if you notice anything inside the tent was gold and anything outside it was bronze. But there were certain things you were going to burn stuff on. And I was like. I wonder if bronze holds up better to heat than gold would. Because gold, I know you can melt it down pretty easy. So just things that you don't think about. I'm like, is there there something I can learn from this? You know, and little details. You know, you never know what's important, you know, but you kind of, you start taking in different stuff. And it's the way the songs are, you know, with with new lessons where it can come back and a song will come into my head at a certain time of life. I'm like, you know, there's something I didn't think about in this song. That, that actually was kind of communicating where maybe I understand it better now. And uh, I mean, heck, that even goes with a lot of songs in the 90s, like late 90s stuff I was listening to. There's a lot of stuff that I don't think uh, like a lot of people at my church would have understood what they were singing about. Mm. But I, I was getting it because I, I sometimes you feel like you you get around other Christians and you feel like everybody's living in hunky dory land. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Mm. We don't have any problems. Da, da, da. And you feel like everybody right. else is like that. And you're supposed to pretend that you're having no problems either. And, you know, a lot of the music I felt like, especially with Grandma Train, allowed me to have problems and have struggles and be able to learn that I can go to the Lord with everything, even my failings, and let him turn to uh, what there's. Oh, Make diamonds from coal. I, somebody had a song like that. Now I can't think of it. Come on, mm-hmm. Father, make diamonds from coal or, or something like that. Oh, dang it. But, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know about. if I know that one. Oh, there's but, some, but I you, think it was something we sung somewhere, maybe. I don't know. Well, you know, and so much of the 90s and not the, you know, I, we try to be careful not to just criticize today's Christian music because there's a lot of stuff that I do like. Yeah. I still love Disciple. (laughs) Well, yeah. And you know what? I was at Winter Jam last last, um, week with my daughter. And um, 
and we got to go and and seventh day slumber was there and she'd never she'd never seen like a heavy metal christian band and we were near the front so she could actually feel the flames from the <laughs> pyro you know she's like oh but anyway i digress um but but like there was so much creativity and storytelling like you're talking about everybody feeling like we were in hunky dory land like a lot of the the stuff that's on the mainstream christian radio now it's good but it's all kind of driven towards worship which is good yeah but in the 90s you had a lot of honest you know i'm broken i'm dealing with this trying to find hope christ is my hope storytelling raw and creative while they're doing it and it's a you know, it's a true art what they were doing. And mm-hmm. so I'm thankful for it. Oh, yeah. And now you have bands like current bands like Red as I think really good at getting into the raw emotion. And their vocalist has such a range. It's amazing. Uh, but one of my favorite songs right now, uh, although I guess it's a few albums back that Red had, it was Shadow and Soul. And you, you dive in the lyrics and it really talks about having that part of you that comes up that you think you've got, you know, like that that nasty flesh half or whatever that mm. when it comes up and, and, and you screw up, you mess up really bad. And you, part of you is, is so ashamed of it that you even want to hide it away from God. And part mm. of the is like, well, this is not for you. You don't belong here. Like, I don't, I don't want God to get in here, but at the same time, I need you to take this away. But yet I'm so mm. ashamed and I, I hate bringing it up for you. And let's talk about a lot of what Paul wrote. It's like, I'm stuck between shadow and soul where it's like the part of me wants to do all the right things and that, but that other part of me, it still, still reaches out for stuff that I don't want, but it still desires all these things, all these horrible things and lashes out at people when you get angry and all these other stuff that's, that's so easy to fall into. And it's, it's, well, it reaches know, to me. And I think that's a problem, you know, being a pastor in a lot of churches where people aren't even comfortable sharing their struggles. Right. When when that's actually what we should be doing. And, you know, um, you know, uh, I think it's in James, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Mm -hmm. But people don't like confessing their sins to one another because then it's like, oh, you you did this or or, you know, and I kind of grew up in a, a little country Baptist church like you. And, you know, a lot of times if somebody went to the altar you, you didn't go to the altar because everybody thought, well, I wonder what they did, that they've got to be down there. Right. Praying, <laughs> you know, and so nobody goes forward. Um, and and hopefully that's not the case. But I would say in, in some, uh, you know, in some instances, absolutely, people just really do want to pretend everything's OK. And the the quickest way to healing is for all of us to admit we're not OK and we need Christ and he calls us to do this together, mm-hmm. you know, as a as the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's even like my my best friend and pastor now has, you know, we 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 have an altar call, and we frequently don't have people come up. And he says, like, you know, this is what this time is for. You have anything? You just come on right up. We, you know, we ain't gonna judge you. You just if if you got something you need, you want to come up here and pray. Because I don't mind if you pray there at the pew, but sometimes getting down and get on your face and get on your knees at that altar just helps, you know, get in that right position. I had to, even a, a college minister I had, it's like, he felt like, you know, sometimes he just was going to lay down 
on his face, just lay down, just and just get in the presence of God with his face to the floor. It's like just because he wants to be in the presence of God and wants to humble himself mm-hmm. as much as possible. It's like that's what the altar should be. But yeah, I, you you kind of feel like everybody in the church is watching you. Like, oh, what what did he preach on that you're thinking of? It's like well, it's probably the same thing that you're thinking about in your own life. That maybe you're like, hmm. And right now, I'm kind of. I feel like I've got the benefit that no one can look at me because I I sit in the back because I run our live stream at the church. So okay. I'm in a little back room, so I can be back there and praying, and I don't have to worry about anybody looking at me. But I can be back there, hmm. you know, hmm. you know stuff. You know, I can think on and like, hmm, yeah. And you can chew on it, and you can pray <laughs> over it back there, and nobody's paying attention to me because I'm in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I can hide. So. <laughs> Probably not a good a good thing, but it is nice to have. You know, that's why it's good to have like your close friends, and I think that's why I did a lot of growing in my my community college here, getting part of the Baptist Student Union, as we broke off into small uh, Bible study groups, and so you had like a group of like three or four you know people that you could share things with and share struggles, and you could pray for each other. So right now, the my church feels like a more of a small group because we're we're, we're we we kind of kind of a a church split a few years ago. And so we were, we're kind of a small, you know, we're a small church, but now we're like super small. And unfortunately, most of the people there are probably 20 to 40 years older than I am. Uh, we need to get more people, even, even some more 40 somethings would be great. And we're starting to get a few people look like they're 20s and 30s starting to come into the church and they are liking it. And so we're growing, but it's like, I, I would love to, to get to where right now our Sunday school class, because there's just a few of us that show up for Sunday school, we're just all in one class together. I'd love for us to be able to break up into the small groups. And so you have an adult Sunday school group to where you could, you know, pray for each other and have that small groups kind of thing going on again. Because that's, yeah. that, I think that's real important and everything. And it, it keeps you from having like, oh, the whole congregation is going to see me come up to the altar. And then it's like, now we have this small group and like, okay, I can talk to these people. You know, like, hey, this is kind of, you know, I had this thought come in my head and I can't, it's just, I won't, I can't seem to get this thought on that. Or I saw something I shouldn't have. And now the, the whole image is burned in my brain, you know, that kind of thing where you can share that stuff. It's like, hey, you know, I'm something's, I'm afraid of myself because, or, you know, mm. I lashed out at somebody in traffic or whatever. And like, I, I don't want to act this way or, you know, or I think I may have done something to a coworker. I said something I, I really didn't mean and I feel embarrassed, you know, that kind of thing. Cause we all end up saying something we don't mean. And then we have to go make up for it, you know, with other people, especially when you have like non-Christians you work with and you're like, oh, you know, I know there's at least one atheist and in, in, in where I work at. And I always try to make sure like, OK, make sure they never see me mess up and I'm always <laughs> presenting the right you know, way. And I, 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 I you know, I try to be like, I'm going to be as kind as possible to this person um, just to kind of make sure like, OK, I want you to see what 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 my faith causes me to be like. But I don't. If if I mess up, I feel like I could break everything that I I, I build. Well, you that. know, you know, and to do another '90s reference, you know, back and people still have these. But back in the day, so many of us had the the Jesus fish, the ichthus on the back yes. of our car, and you know, and but you know what? You better not get mad and like cut somebody off or like have road rage while you've got an ichthus on yep. the back of your car, right? Yes. <laughs> Because that person might be an a- atheist and say, "Oh, another Christian." There yep. they go. You know. <laughs> yep. That's why I, I I frequently just on my bumper I had all these Christian band stickers that nobody would know who they were. So I'm like, I could get away because I'm like, I last thing I want to do is put an ichthus or something on my car, and then I'm gonna <laughs> then I'm gonna oops, I actually ran that red light. I'm sorry, you know, because then somebody's gonna be like, ah. 
Like you get judged more, you know, when you present yourself as a Christian. So it's one of the things you're almost afraid when you, you, like when you start into a new workplace, uh, because I recently, well, not quite recently, you know, it was like 2019, I went back and I finished my degree and then I started a new career, you know, thanks to podcasting. Uh, I was working in radio and I left radio to work in television. So, I mean, I've only been now at the TV station for about uh, two and a half years. But when you get in that new one, part of your brain says, do I want everybody to, to realize I'm a Christian? Because what if I mess up and I ruin the whole thing? And it turns out what, what I love about where I'm actually working is like, yeah, we've got some atheist people, but the, there's a lot of good Christian people where I work at. So I'm like, oh, hey, so these are these are my people over here. So I'm hoping that we yeah. present to like the good, you know, like this is the way we, we behave. And this is where we should treat you. And so this is what we're all about. So, you know, maybe like this one atheist person. Well, people just need to know that we're real. Yeah. You know, we, we have struggles like anybody else, but but authentically love people. And really, Jesus really has changed our lives. Um, you know, we're no better than anybody else. We're we were sinners in need of a savior. And, um, you know, that that we are human beings that struggle um, but yeah, we definitely should be about our witness, but you know, people, people want authentic people in their lives and, and the world needs more authentic Christians in relationships with non-Christians, you know? Yeah. And so, so Jeremy, I got, a, I got a question <laughs> for you. I know, I know we're on to talk about my book. Um, and I appreciate you let me come on. Um, and I, and I, you know, plug it definitely. If anybody's listening to this, Mixtape theology, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's been doing really well. It's been a blessing. But so, so thank you for having me on. Um, I got a question for you. So, Spider Pan, I, I was thinking about this. Being that like your gig is the all the nostalgia with the Star Wars and the superheroes. Are there any, and again, I know it's your podcast, so you're here to interview me, but I really want to know, you're like the expert. Did you see a gospel correlations in, you know, in Star Wars with the Luke character being the chosen one or a particular superhero? Or is that, I mean, I'm honestly just in a conversation mm-hmm. interested, like, um, I know you're into Spider-Man, but mm-hmm. Superman, even even recently, you know, Superman died and then came back in the next movie. Right. Like what's is there any worthy gospel correlations in any of that pop culture stuff? I'm I'm really yeah. interested in your interest. So I'm putting you on the spot. So funny you should mention this because I was I was just talking to Philip, who's you know, my best friend and, and my pastor and everything, because he was preaching uh, out of like the parable of the talents. And uh and I, and I I came to him afterwards like I know you wanted to quote it but you didn't because he said like with with much with much that you have much is expected and I said that's exactly it with great power comes great responsibility that right. is why Spider-Man is my number one because his entire theme is the parable mm-hmm. of the talents and I learned from that of course how he mm, learned the lesson when, when I re- when I read the first uh, issue uh, a reprint of it and I saw that how he learned it uh, where it's like, oh my goodness. I was like, that's exactly, no, I don't have spider powers. I don't have superpowers like Superman, but what I do have, I can serve with, and I have a responsibility to do it with whatever power I have. And I might have more power than I think God may have been entrusting me with a lot more stuff than I, than I really think, but I have to be willing to turn it over. And so I'm willing to try whatever, you know, right now I, I I've got a platform and I, I actually kind of love that my show has changed from being a Disney show to being 
this type of show because I feel like more open to have more Christian discussions on mm. the show because it's a it's overall it's a positive type of show. I want everybody to feel good and I haven't good like with Phil, Phil Oliver from the Ventures and Odyssey. I like I was mentioning earlier, I learned so much from him. Learning good stuff like that, that is a positive thing. It gives you things to think on. And he actually inspired a t-shirt. Um oh uh, golly, I gotta think of what verse it was, but uh we talked about how love is service. And I pulled out of, I think, First Corinthians. And I can't remember what verses it was. It's probably chapter 13, the love chapter that it's all about. It probably was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all there. So, but yeah, I, ma- I made a t-shirt out of that. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I actually start, I've got a whole lot of other designs I need to put and make available on my store because, I mean, but that's part of the things I, we, we learn different things. We, we celebrate things that we've loved that makes us feel good makes us happy. But then we go and my my original premise with the, the Neverland podcast that I was before is I always tell people, keep a pixie in your pocket. And then I said, well, what that is, is, if you have a pixie in your pocket, that's a happy little bit of pixie dust that you just simply throw it out to the other people. And sometimes it's a smile and a handshake and you've spread a little pixie dust and a happy thought. And so I've kind of kept that. But now I figure I'm giving happy thoughts out more. So I I mean, at one point I was playing in a band uh, in the early 2000s. You know, I was trying to share the gospel like that, but. God only wanted me doing that for just a certain amount of time. I only had just just enough musical talent to get me by. And who knows what sort of an impact, you know, God had with with me doing that. But now I feel like I got a platform small as this may be, but I'm, I'm getting something out there. I'm using whatever talent God has given me. I'm just trying to get something good out there, make people feel good, make people think about the Lord. And, you know, and I'm sure I've got a lot of non-Christian people who still listen to the show. I hope I do. I know I lost a lot of people when I dropped Disney because, there, Disney is like a cult and you turn from the cult and people will turn on you really fast. Mm. I learned that. So my audience dropped from the hundreds to the tens of people. So now I've got 50 some odd people when I used to have, you know, 500 to 600 every episode. I, it's mm. been a big change. And so now I'm growing. But what's been fun is I'm finding other Christians that podcast there's Christian podcasting groups. Uh, I've gotten involved with adventures and odyssey fan group with, Oh my goodness. There's, there's podcasts about adventures and odyssey. And then of course now I find, Oh look, a mixtape theology book. And oh my goodness, there's, there's a whole group of people on Facebook talking about music. And I'm like, okay, well I didn't really listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman, but did anybody like, I don't know, a uh, disciple <laughs> that kind of thing. Cause I listen, you know, like I'm like Paul Portel, oh, Paul Portel though. He listens to some stuff that I'm like, that's even loud for me. So I have to understand no. it and I, I can't understand when I'm I can't, I can't understand you. <laughs> and I've met some of the people who have some of those bands and I have a few of those albums because I wanted to support what they were doing. Like, you know, faith head and they're wonderful people. Uh, one of those groups I don't think is together anymore though. Was it faith head that I saw that they split? It was either them or something else. And I'll go ahead and I'll buy the album when I see them play live. You know, like, you know, I don't really understand everything you're saying there because I can't understand screamo, you know, but but I want to support their ministry because, like, I know there's people who need that. And it does remind me, like, an old HM magazine. Uh, there was a guy, and I think he was known as Candy Kane. I can't remember what his group was. And they were, but they were doing a very gothic type of thing. And he was wearing makeup and all this other stuff. And he would, he, he had a little thing where he's being interviewed on HM magazine. He says, like, you know, I get criticisms from Christians, you know, that's saying, well, I, how are you supposed to reach anybody like that? And he says, well, there's that kid over there and he's listening to Marilyn Manson. Are you going to be able to go and witness to him? No, but I can. Because I'm dressing this way and I'm playing music that he understands, I get an opportunity to witness that to that kid that you're not going to get. 
And so mm-hmm. I always keep that in mind. It's like, even if I don't understand the Christian music, if it's, you know, kind of loud for me, there are people who do understand this fully and that's the people they're going to reach. And so I want to support them. It's like, you know, get out there and reach. I don't like rap music, but the people who rap, you know, rap in the gospel, I even stumbled upon a, a, a guy on YouTube. I can't remember what his name was, but I was like, well, let me just, you know, YouTube recommended this guy. And I listened. I, I loved his lyrics so much that I shared it. I said, rap is not my thing, but I love what this guy's saying. And it blessed me. So I'm like, let this go out and just bless you. I'm not, it's not my style of music, but that's a blessing to somebody. Well, you know, and that's a fun discussion. I have an undergrad degree in music, and I remember my music theory professor, my sophomore year, we, we had a discussion about, you know, is music controversial? And, and you know, what should be controversial is, is lyrics, like it's amazing the church has had this cycle to where okay you know whatever hundreds and hundreds of years ago you had guys just doing like a gregorian chant like you know whatever and then they added a harmony on top of it and it was of the devil you know the church (laughs) you can't sing a harmony you know and then you get a couple hundred years later and well now we're going to add you know uh, a harpsichord or an organ to that well that's of the devil you know Mm -hmm. and then and then you've got hymns. Well, the first hymns were actually the the tunes that they were the same melodies they were singing in the bars and the pubs. Right. And Battle hymn of the well, Republic. that's of the devil, you know. Yeah. And then, and now, do, do I think that there's a, a time and place for everything, and that there's reverence, and should we just be doing scream music on a Sunday morning worship and nobody know? Well, of course not. <laughs> no. You know, I mean, I. I'm not no holds barred, but I still love what the hymns. should be <laughs> what should be controversial is is lyrics and right. theology. And so, yeah, God does. Everybody has different tastes. And um, and so like a lot of those artists, goodness, I, I just saw Lecrae, who's, you know, one of the top Christian rappers. And I don't list a lot of Christian rap, but and I couldn't understand half of what he's saying. But I knew what he was saying in between songs, and it was all about Jesus and what I could. I mean, it was incredible. Um, so, man, and just uh, anyone looking for a good Christian rap, go listen to Lecrae. Um, so good. And so, uh, you know, and even though the songs that we pick in church, a lot of times it's easy to pick like, well, what does everybody know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it. And, and so or sometimes it's a worship leader. What, what what do I like? And really the first the first criteria should be is this God honoring is there in the lyrics and the theology. And so and we tried to bring that out in the book, you know, even some songs that they that were just kind of fun were deeper than we realized. A song like Audio Adrenaline's Big Big House. Mm. As I began to peel it back, I mean, there's a devotion on John 14 about I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go there, I will come and take you to myself and just about how God is preparing a place for us. And mm. so it's a fun song, but there's depth there, you know, that's yeah. real meaning. So it and and it's it's okay in a fun song to talk about eating lots of food and playing football. So right. you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a big, big table and a big, big yeah, yard. Exactly. Big yard, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's one of those songs just kind of bless your heart. But yeah, when you get it, dive in there, it's like, oh my goodness. But it also makes you homesick, what I like to say. When you start mm, thinking yeah. like, oh, we're just waiting for Jesus to come back. Because you start, you start looking at the world and everything wrong with it. And you're like, oh my gosh, when is it, Jesus just come back? Just come take us now. But we yeah. figure, okay, if, if we're still here, there's still work to be done. 
He's got a purpose for us here. Mm-hmm. We got a purpose. And, you know, and, the, and for such a time as this, I say this to my church, it's easy to be caught up in this culture and like, man, like even when we had my daughter, she's 11, like, do we really want to? to bring a child into this world, you know? Um, But then to think that God would allow us to be the people alive Mm. during this time. Yeah. Well, I mean, what a blessing and a privilege to share the truth of the gospel in this age. So, um, you know, I mean, yeah, my favorite TV show is the Andy Griffith show. It'd be nice to live in Mayberry, well, but but God didn't call me to live in Mayberry. Right. And so he's got a place for me in 2024 in Nashville, Tennessee. And so, you know, the, I'm going to let him use me there. There you go. Yeah. It reminds me of Esther, you know, for such a time as this. This is you're, you're right. here in this position for just such a time. So, yeah. Yeah. Trying to keep that in mind. So and that's I well, once again, that 90s music, it was there for just such a time as when we needed it. And it's it's lasted. Mm. And some of the groups are even still around. <laughs> I actually Absolutely. saw something, uh, Audio Adrenaline, actually still around. They've got, uh, I guess, different singers, because I'm sure, you know, K-Max kind of went a little wacky, because uh, I think he was singing with them for a while. Although I haven't enjoyed Audio Adrenaline as much as I did, like, way, way back with uh, Mark, I think, was singing with him. Uh, and when Stewart. Barry, when, yeah, Mark Stewart, and then when Barry Blair left, it was like, it wasn't quite the same. Barry Blair was such a, such a talent. Uh, and it's just, wasn't you know, you know, Michael Tate still around and with the, with, from DC talk. And of course he's the front man of the Newsboys, mm-hmm. which that was, you know, of course, Peter Furler and the nineties Newsboys, uh, just some classic stuff. You think yeah. about shine and some of those songs, uh, but, and you know, and Toby Mac doing his own solo thing is, is really solid. Um, my myself and my my wife and my co-writer Rachel and her spouse we got to see kind of a reunion concert of um um oh, Cademan's Call in Nashville which you know which one of their frontmen Derek Webb he's kind of a deconstruction guy now yeah. but the rest of the band is Christians and um and it was so they came back for one night. They sounded great. So there are, of course, Stephen Curtis Chapman still doing it. And Michael yep. W. Smith. I mean, those staples are still putting the music out for sure. Yep, and we need them. <laughs> it's like I hope yeah, they just yeah. keep doing it. They have talents, and with great power comes great responsibility. See, yeah. they wrapped it back around in a nice little bow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, see, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I I don't really uh, get so much spiritual lessons so much from Star Wars. Other than Yoda, you know, like never his mind on where he was, what he was doing, because looking away to the future, sometimes we we look off or whatever, and we worry about whatever's the future, and we're not focused on what is God doing right now that He wants me to be a part of. So I do still mm-hmm. take some things from Star Wars, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of Buddhism in that and everything. So I'm like, okay, sure. this is entertaining, but I'm like, I don't want to take too many lessons from that. But I can take a little bit of uh, lessons from, you know, like He-Man, uh, especially the old original filmation cartoon. You know, the self-sacrificial nature of of being He-Man and you know having to live that double life and like having to have everybody think he's useless as Adam, so he can, you know go and defend the entire world you know, as He-Man. And, you know, that dichotomy, the sacrifice he has to make, and even the the moral lessons where he doesn't... I mean, he rocks around with a sword and the ability he could punch, you know, somebody into the moon if he wanted to, but he doesn't. He has all that mm. power, but he's got responsibility, and it, it wasn't a violent show. 
And it, he didn't have to be. He'd found other solutions using his strength and his power without just, you know, decking everybody, you know. So it was it was and riding around on a big green cat. Too, yeah. Right? Now, granted, like some newer <laughs> He-Man cartoons, they, they decided to go ahead and have a bit more of an action thing. But, you know, that was the thing with the filmation is like he always found ways around. You know, he would he would dra- grab the serpent monster and tie a knot in it and say, all right, now go away. You know, he but he wasn't it wasn't a violent show. And there was always a lesson at the end that they'd come out and teach you. So sometimes you get stuff that helps out in your faith with with your cartoons and. And having the the gee golliness of some classic Mickey Mouse, uh, it's because I, I mean, heck, I still got, I'm 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 no longer Disneyfied, but I still got it all over the place. So, <laughs> I, the, the, what what Disney represented from its past and everything, because you know, Walt, I, I've read a quote, I've got a, a book of Walt Disney quotes, where faith was important to him, and he accredited God for creativity. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, that's something I think the modern Disney has lost us. But mm. when you look at like the past, and I mean, even one of the great things in Fantasia, so I'm going to go, you asked for pulp culture, I'm going for it. You go look in Fantasia and you have uh, the night on Bald Mountain sequence, which is this scary thing. And sure. it's like the devil comes out of a mountain or whatever. And, and it's all this evil. And what breaks the evil? The Ave Maria, which now granted, that's a very Catholic thing. But the 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 idea there of the power of God and Christ Defeating mm, yeah. evil is there. The symbolism is there. Uh, and you still have some great stuff within Disney. There's, uh, if you ever see Small One, uh, it was about the old donkey and everything. The little boy's trying to sell him. And then finally, Joseph shows up at the end and just needs an old gentle donkey to carry his wife in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you do have some greatness that pops up in Disney. And even Johnny Appleseed, of part of, uh, which is part of a larger movie. And I can't think of it's Make Mine Music, perhaps. But, you know, you got the story of Johnny Appleseed, which we actually like to watch that every September at church. We have Apple Fest and we'll watch the Johnny Appleseed segment uh, because it's, you know, the Lord is good to me. So I will thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and sky and the apple seed, something like that. It's it's there's a lot of great stuff that I grew up with. But now that's why we retro, because we want to share some of that. There's there's good stuff out there. You just got to be willing to find it. And most of the good stuff seems to be from the past. Like Andy Griffith. Mm-hmm. That is some of the best television you'll ever see. <laughs> yep. Amen. Okay. Well, that's a good way to wrap this up. Now you've mentioned, okay. If everybody wants to go and find on Facebook, Mixtape Theology, it's a fun little group. Oh, and there's a, there's the book for those of you who are seeing video, which, oh, you got a forward from Mac Powell of Third Day, by the way. Yeah. Mac Powell nice. Third Day wrote the forward and we've got, um, man, we we had um, everybody from Michael Tate, Michael W. Smith, C.C. Winans, um, Bart Millard from Mercy Me, Rebecca St. James. They uh, all of them recommendations on the book. And so uh, very, very overwhelmed by all the people supported yeah, wow. um, this project. So, yeah, go check it out on Amazon. Mixtape Theology. And join and, the Facebook uh, group. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, or whatever it's called now. X. I don't even know um, the, the X and, website known as Twitter. <laughs> yeah, uh, Facebook, and um, and we have a lot of fun on there. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of found our tribe. And so, if you've heard this conversation, you're like, you know, I'd like to see more of what they're about. We would love to see you on there. Oh yeah. If you if you're one of those people that, that like you're one of your first concerts was Petra because that's I think my first Christian concert that I remember other than going to Carmen for free Petra I think in like a, a high school because there was a little prayer group I found in, in uh, high school we all went to go see Petra with um, 
Oh, the guy who wrote uh, Our God is an Awesome God, uh, Rich Mullins, Rich I think. Rich Mullins. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was opening up for Petra. And, uh, and they I were probably we're doing Beyond it. Belief and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Back yep. the old Beyond Belief tour, I believe. Yes, indeed. And that, I tell you what, that was kind of mind-blowing, but I don't think it really clicked until I heard Jesus Freak. Like, a hey, those guys later. are still going. When you talked about groups that are still going, Petra is one of them. Still They're going. back. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. And, oh, my goodness. And that's... Uh, I think probably the only Petra album that I uh, that I own, but it has such good songs on there. Um, now I cannot think of it, but it has uh, the heart of a hero on there. Um, okay, that one speaks to me. And then uh, what's the other one? Um, no, oh, no doubt is the name of the album, and that song, no doubt, is great. But that's that's another great album. There's there's some other ones that I pull out. Man, there's one song that I always pull up, and now I cannot think of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go look at my list of songs on the No Doubt album because there's one that's. <laughs> There's times when I just absolutely need that song. So I'm digging through on my long list of albums. Where's my Petra? Where's my Petra? Petra, Petra, Petra. I think I got a few extra ones that uh, I was doing when I went back to college as, you know, 20 years older than everybody else that was there. Uh, uh, I had, I had some other Christian people that let me have some songs. I did a Christian uh, show. Uh, Yeah, I'm not as good on my Petra library. Yeah. I would help you. What if you would have said a Michael, Michael W. Smith or Stephen yeah. Curtis, I might could have pulled it out. But I can't think of which which specific song that I'm always jumps in my head. It might be where I put a collection of like some of my favorites. But there's man, because there, I mean, I know no doubt the song, no doubt itself is fantastic, and I don't see, I know why mm. I don't have it here. On the set here, I must have moved it around or somewhere. Yeah, but there's there's always great songs from Petra that always jump in. But mainly that album had just had such good stuff on there, and I, th- I think it's the first Petra. Al- I think that's the first Christian album I bought was that and DC Talks Jesus mm. Freak. When I started getting my, mm. when I finally got a CD player, because uh, before I think I was getting, I have a, probably a few cassettes uh, by a group too. called Forever Tree <laughs> that uh, like I don't think Forever Tree ever went anywhere, but they, they sounded good. So I think I got one of their tapes, but I got a CD player and that's when I went for it. And I got me a Petra and a DC talk album. And then it just went on from there. And I just was buying everything back when like you could go to Walmart and buy a regular CD or a secular band for $10. I had to go to Omega bookstore and spend 20. <laughs> so, <laughs> I bought a lot of samplers at the time because uh, you could get a little bit of everything. And that's also like HM magazine where I would subscribe to that. And, uh, seven ball because you'd get a little CD with it with samplers with every magazine so you could hear all the different music that's coming out and around and oh yeah well you could have done Columbia House and got 30 of them for one penny right I did that too I got on a Columbia <laughs> House that's where I built a lot of my library after I found out oh hey I like this group but you know Columbia House didn't have everything but they, then they started doing Sound and Spirit I think it was where the Columbia has had a specific Christian market stuff right. and if I found any group that I, that I recognized then I'm like oh hey I'll go ahead and buy that one so yeah I spent a lot of money when I when I didn't have responsibilities <laughs> and I had a job you know in in my 20s so oh yeah you can build up a lot of credit card debt that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, well, it's been good having you on. I see we've almost hit an hour, so you said you had about Thank an hour. Thank you, Jeremy. Time. It's been a blast, man. I really <laughs> appreciate you having me on. It's been fun talking. Oh, yes. It's always fun to talk music and talk about the Lord. It's always great. But once again, this has been Ash Mofield. I had to look it up and read, make sure I read it so I can say Mofield properly. Uh, when you look for the for the uh, Amazon, you're under as William Ash Mofield, right? William Ashley Mofield and Rachel Cash Mixtape Theology. Search for it however you have to. Find it on Amazon and go. To, I'm going to have to go to pick it. 
Yep, I'm going to have to go take a look for it. <laughs> Sounds like fun to me. I need to add to my devotional books and everything. Other than my, I've got a Ray Comfort book that's always fun to read every day, too. But All right, but thanks for coming on the show, and we will wrap it right there. Okay, well, it's time we wrapped this show up. So we want to remind you to visit NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links for Podgagement and Dubby. Podgagement, if you happen to have a podcast and you would like to get reviews from around the world, plus a lot of other cool features, go and set you up an account with Podgagement. It is a great service. You will like it. Uh, we also want to thank Karen Kennedy, Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and the Darren Wilhite of the Darren Wilhite, or, or the Wilhite and Walt Show. Yes, uh, for helping out with the introduction of the show. Don't forget, you can email us at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter or X, whichever one, Neverland Pcast. You can find us on Facebook. We have a like page and a group where we get to have a lot of fun interaction. That's uh, usually under Neverland Podcast. Uh, or if you search, I think I may have changed it to Fandom Nexus if you go searching for us. But I think the um, the links might still say Neverland Podcast. So I'll have to look into that. That's Because I did try to change where the pages say, do say the Fandom Nexus. On our website, of course, you can join the Neverlanders as a lost boy or pixie. Why do we have pixies? Because the girls are too clever. They don't get lost. And please do donate through Patreon. Become a Patreon supporter. Uh, and that, that'll be great. There's a lot of options there for, you know, your level of what you want to be able to get for free. Some things are not for free, but we want to get as part of your deal. Um, at the lowest level, you'll at least get a, a version of the show without ads. If you want to be able to see video that I post up there, that's on a different tier. But I usually put it that videos on which I'm glad I reminded myself of that because when I upload the video, that's where it's going. Uh, and of course, you can become an exclusive member through Red Circle and get the same thing where you get an ad-free version of the episode. Okay, so do one of those things. Help support the show. Make sure you come back last week. Let me know what you thought about the show. Make sure you're checking us out on Diz Radio. And as we can say at every episode, besides, hey, come to Planet Comic Con and come see me at the panel, that we all like to say, get lost. In an adventure... And I will see you next time.